Hello and welcome to Rugged Matrix episode 218 and I'm your host Jero Sen with Ben Kimber. G'day Ben. Jero, how are you buddy? Uh, very good, Blood is Low 2 is done and we've got uh, one of our former Australian players, commentator, host on 2SM2 on the sports show, the great former Wallaby. I guess you're not a former Wallaby are you? Brett Papworth, you're always a Wallaby. Thanks for joining us. Yes, they tell me. G'day, uh, g'day. how are you Jero? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for making the trip down to Maroubra, mate. We much appreciate it. Pleasure. But, uh, so, um, with this eminent panel, we had a strong reaction, Benny, uh, to our show last week where we yeah. talked about Bledisloe 1. Uh, we didn't offer any excuses for Australia. We actually gave it to them. Uh, they were better yesterday in test number two, but still way off the mark. Still way off the mark, mate. I mean, it, it didn't feel like they fixed too much other than their attitude Other than their attitude was a bit better. They came in there and they, and they clearly wanted to stink it up, I think, in the first 10 or 15 minutes, try to get themselves physically and mentally into the game. But none of the technical issues that we saw the previous week appeared to be fixed, and the result felt like a foregone conclusion all the way through. Yes. Uh, Brett, uh, you've uh, seen many a test match, um, and you did write an article that went, viral. It crashed the website of uh, Rugby News uh, last week. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but what was your um, summation of the Test match? Yeah, well, I mean, Ben summed it up. I mean, they, they brought a, aggression, um, clearly tried to shake up the All Blacks, maybe to at least find a way to get them off their game. But the gap to me between the two teams skill-wise and speed-wise is still evident. I mean, they, they, the Blacks have got forwards and who catch pass. Yeah brilliantly. Like you, you could argue better than some of our backs who, who pretty much should be doing that stuff for a living. So they, they play space. They play a different game and and their skill level appears to be so much better than everyone else's. Um, so that, and our line out was still poor and all of those things were still there. So I, I mean, I feel for the players, I really do, because they, uh, you know, they're a good bunch who wear our jersey and we should be proud of them. But there's a gap now, isn't there, between the blacks and the rest? How how like tougher an indictment is that of Australian rugby that you get to a point where our elite players are up against New Zealand's elite, elite players, and you feel like they're in a totally different ballpark? Like the fact that these guys uh, have that skill set, and we've we've talked in previous shows about the second rowers, Brady Retallick, Whitelock, and Dane Coles, who have these skills that yeah. are in advance of some of our guys and the rest of the team. Yeah. One point of the, of the game last night the ball went left in the, in the All Blacks' hands and they found Dane Coles on the wing, where he often tends to be sometimes, <laughs> but he beat three players and took it 20 metres upfield. Yeah. A hooker. Well, I mean, I mean, isn't he a real footballer? Though? I mean, he's remarkable. I mean, he's got the athleticism of a back, he's got the skills of a back, and the toughness and all of that of a, of a hooker internationally. I mean, it, it is an indictment in a way, but it's not like we haven't, well, some of us haven't seen that coming because it's the, the the culture of our game here and the way it's been run, it, it's created that gap. You know, I mean, you go back to the days when Australia or, or the Wallabies were renowned for their skill, their speed, their inventiveness. And, well, that's clearly not the case anymore, you know, and I don't understand that because there's still plenty of good athletes in Australia. Mm. Uh, my fear is that many of them are playing other games. There's no doubt that we've got a tougher pool in Australia because of the four strong codes, Pappy. But I, I think, I just don't think, I think we've, we can't train our players like they do in New Zealand because we have to be smarter. And you were part of Wallaby teams that were, were clever. You had to think of ways to, to beat teams. And I just think since um, 
the introduction of a lot of the New Zealand systems which work in New Zealand, don't work here, which is always known as a very smart team. And you think about what we did with lineouts when we first had lifting in the lineouts, all the clever little things that we did in backplay. I mean, I don't know, Pappy, are we, are we not as clever as we used to be when it comes to inventing stuff in rugby? I think the world has become a bit generic because, you know, the, firstly, globally, the world gets smaller. Our coaches go from country to country. So you end up with a whole bunch of people who are basically trained to do the same things. Mm. Um, it is different here, and we need to understand that Australia is different. We've got problems here that other countries don't have. I mean, go to England, they're happy. Uh, they feel Twickenham for a club game. Um, New Zealand, it's religion. South Africa, a bit the same. We've got a competitive market here, so you've got to be a bit different. Um, but our systems create, from a because of this elite team thing, collision footy because if you're a, you want to get picked in an under 16 rep team they pick the big poppers right so they mm. and they win through winning the collision New Zealand play space you know you, it's catch pass don't don't go to the collision play into space get a second touch I mean the Ellis played get a second touch get a third touch you score you know and Bowden Barrett but they win the collision too oh, yeah, have... don't get me wrong <laughs> yeah don't get me wrong they, they can play the tough stuff and they do it as well as anyone but they have the skill and the mindset to yeah. play the space. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting actually during the during the lead up to the England series. I think Daryl Gibson, coach of the Waratahs and clearly a former All Black, came out and said something along the lines of Eddie Jones, Jones ruined Australian rugby. Right? I'm paraphrasing clearly, yeah. but he had a crack at Eddie around too much structured play, and it's almost an echo, I think, of what I'm hearing from you here, Pappy, which is that 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 there's there was been a, a way that Australian rugby has sort of formulated the last. 10 or 15 years that has been less about that sharp handling and ball movement and more about uh, a m more structure. Is that is that right? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, that's what I see. I mean, I, I, I watch a heap of footy, mostly at club level, and it is inventive and they do play space because the people playing at that level aren't the big boppers. Yeah. So they, all their career, have had to find another way. So they're slightly smaller, just as quick, at, but they play with skill. But if you've been part of the development system for 10 years, you play collision footy. Yeah. I mean, last night's a classic example in terms of the speed at which the blacks play. So at a breakdown, it's bang, bang, and they're gone. We wait, and, and, and Will Guineas yes. gets, is everyone set? Everyone good? You all black defence? You all good? <laughs> okay. And then they pass it to a bloke who's there, and, and it's infuriating. And so what the hell are you doing? You know when Savia scored on the left-hand side, you knew it was coming, didn't you? Because um, even 30 metres on the inside, you knew that, the, that they had the skill to clear it wide and, and then beat two defenders who should, in reality, have pushed him across the try on the sideline, but never going to do it. Well, just it's funny you mention it because, I mean, how powerful is he? Yeah. He got hit by Karevi with pretty much everything. He didn't even knock him off his line. <laughs> yeah. Did just, I mean, yeah. phenomenal strength. Yeah. And that, that, and that, that feeling in the game, like of you know, Australia were just clinging on the whole time. Any time that the All Blacks appeared to get a bit of um, front football, right, which is which was a lot. But as soon as the ball started to go wide, every time it looked like our our defensive line was scramble mode straight away. Not a nice clean line that had a confidence in itself. I mean, Nathan Gray, I think, made a. Uh, what felt like a throwaway comment after game one, oh, it's easy to fix the defence, that's surely got to come back and bite them now. Every time the ball was spread by the All Blacks, and that it is the pace and the handling they've got, but it looked like our defensive line was really struggling just to keep up to get a nice set line. Yeah. That, that is front football. 
we don't get a lot of front football. So yeah. it's easy for us to sit here and be critical of the speed at which we clear a breakdown. But it's because you're on the back foot. Yeah. And you've just got to be a bit careful that you're not too critical. The All Blacks get a lot of front football, so they can play quickly. Mm. But when you, when you are struggling to gain any ascendancy, it's tough, and that's why it slows. Brett, how, what about how we play the game? Because um, in the in the old days, when when flat attack was you know uh, Australia's domain, uh, and uh, Glenn Eller went into the England team to help them out with their attack, I don't know how 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 he got, he got a lot of kit out of that. By the way, I heard the kids were running around in, in England kit all week. But um, <laughs> Loves his kit, but then you look at how the Brumbies played, and they played everything well before the game line. I mean, you could have a lots of you and McKenzie and I used to talk about talk about it all the time about how the Brumbies had all this colour of movement, but it'd still be 20 metres before they got to the game line, before they actually uh, you know, were running forward in any sort of meaningful way. But it looked great. It was all... But it worked, you know. But So that's a different style to say what we've used to out of the out of the Randwicks, for example, or even Australia in the past. How do we get this... What is this style of Australia's trying to play? Well, I, I, I can't. <laughs> I, no, I, I can't answer that. We play a global brand of footy, and yeah. it's been brought about by the professional era and coaches who have watched others or have coached in Europe, and you just play the way they play. I mean, it, is it a more like rugby league breakdown? Thing? Well, it's very much collision footy, and it's yeah. so they. Yeah, it, it's almost unlimited tackle rugby yeah. league. Right, you know, right, right to, without right, the play yeah, the ball. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, in the in. In, in the days where you get a flat defensive line, mm. mostly they look offside almost, but never gets blown. So you've got a flat line, 15 blokes across the park. The problem you've got by playing that way is that you will drive fans from the game because they don't want to see a, a tight forward, a metre off the ruck, battling for yeah. half a metre. You know, burrowing, and then you do the same again. You burrow, you try and find a half a metre. I mean, people will go, I don't want to watch that. You know, we, we, we pay to watch the Kirtley Beals and the, you know, the Matt Giddos and the Israel Falaus. That's that's what brings people through that the game. That was, that, Papi, that's what Checker wanted to do, play our way, our exciting way. But it's not winning right well, now. Well, it's not because yeah. he's, our set piece isn't yeah. working. I mean, they, the Pommies bashed us up at the scrum and yeah. through goal kicking, which is, shouldn't have been news to anyone because that's mm. the way they played forever. Yeah. Um, and our line-out hasn't worked. So you, you cannot play the way you want to play if you're not winning set-piece ball because you've got to rely on that. That's bread and butter. And if you're not winning 50% plus against New Zealand, you don't win. You can't win the ball. Have you a bit of, a bit of the theme of what uh, Bronco Jiro and I have been talking about over the last few weeks is the feeling that, that, that what Checker wants to do is he's really much a mindset player. Like He likes to get in the mind of his team is the way yeah. it feels and he wants to get them all revved up on the same page. And it's almost, you know... By default, that comes out like tactics are secondary. They don't go into game with ways they might think about deconstructing the opposition. They think, no, no, if we play the footy we want to play, we're going to we're going to dominate and we're going to we're going to win. And instead of that, what we're seeing, as you said, is a couple of those things in your set piece don't go right, and it's all gone. Right, the tactics all will play our game. If you can't get your basics right, they start to fall apart. Mm. Well, t see, turnover ball against um, New Zealand they move it, right? And, and it's, they're almost manic about it. You get quick ball or turnover ball or ball you didn't expect and they go bang, bang, bang and it's gone. And, be, and more often than not, they get... If you're not winning line out of scrum ball or breakdown ball, and you, you're a couple of tries behind. Yeah, yeah. And then it's hard to play the style of footy. I mean, I admire Michael in, a, in the way he wants to play the Australian way, right? 
and he was a he's a terrific guy, and he he really understands what works, I think, and he's been well brought up through the Roundwick system, so he he knows better than anyone. But he was an attitude player, and and you've you've sometimes you've got to bring a bit more than that. I mean, I know he's got limited time with his players, but as the national coach, you you've got to you've got to be able to improve skill yeah. rather than just bring fire and brimstone. Yeah. I mean, that fire and brimstone will will take you a fair way, but you know, there's more to it than that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, Pappy, you say fire and brimstone. Uh, that, that really is what you feel like, like Checker does bring to that. But I feel like this year particularly, and this can happen to anybody, but you know, they're coming on six losses now. I feel like he's spinning at the selection table. He's always made a point of bringing guys in that talks about attitude. Anyone who's got the right attitude and the right guts and, and tenacity will you know, fight their way into this Australian team. But you look at the way he's handled the team over the course of, of you know, the England tests and now into the Bledisloes. Guys like Rob Simmons, you're in the 23, you're out of the 23. Ben McCallum, you're in the 23, you're out of the 23. I just feel like we've had, what, five or six different second row combinations. Something doesn't go right, I feel like he's spinning a bit on selections. And that's got to affect the way that you can get a team's mindset right. Hmm. My theory is that, firstly, the players who are in the Wallaby squad, extended squad, and I can give you some examples. Reese Hodges, one. Alan, Alan Latoa is another. Terrific players and, and deserving of their spot. But I've watched them play a lot at, at club level. And there are many front rowers, for example, in the Sydney Great or Brisbane, for that matter, who, who aren't outshone by Alan Alalatoa. Now, he's a good player, but there are club props who do, he doesn't frighten. Now, Reese Hodge, I've seen play club footy, terrific player and, and, and deserve, and he's done well at, at the Rebels. But at club level, there are players just as good as him. Mm. And, and, you know, the North, North's had a few. I mean, Uni's got them. Um, so the gap between the players in this Wallaby squad and club level players, I'm telling you, is not that big. Now, yeah. they think it's big, and you've got a, they think you've got a professional player and not and the gap is huge, it's not. It's not huge, so what you end up with is a system where they think it's done because they're professionals, but they don't play footy. We, we had a team play this all-black test, it hardly played. Genia hadn't played since February, Ben McCalman in the first test hadn't played since mid-June, uh, Quade Cooper got picked for this one, hadn't played a game of footy since May. Now, I don't care how good you are and how th intensely you think you can train, you cannot replicate match and the other or thing about a match against the all blacks well you can <laughs> now they will say we train at, at match intensity well i'm sorry there's never been a player who trains at match intensity because yeah. it yeah. just does if you yeah. it's not possible so you end up with a a bunch of blokes who are remarkably gifted quade's a classic example he is so much better than most of the people that he grew up with right he was in the beale schoolboys team of about 06 ish right yeah. Yeah. remarkably gifted but you learn your confidence and, and practice your skill by playing at a level that reinforces that confidence, right? Yeah. They, they don't get that chance anymore as professionals. You're constantly being asked to test your, your skills and your confidence against the very best, yeah. you know? And I think your, your point is exactly right in that the, the guys who, uh, who are the best in the world, when they go back to club footy, they stand out and shine. But we've, we talked before about the number of players that we have are, that are actually at that level versus uh, the, the other guys who are good players. Yeah. But I remember years ago watching Matt Burke come back for Eastwood, uh, back from injury through club footy. And when he went out in the park, it was like a man among boys. Like yeah. the skill set that he brought and the control of that game. Whereas those guys are rare. 
They really are rare. Yeah. And these other guys who need to be in there punching week in and week out, it's a different story. But what similar thing was and absolutely destroyed. And what that does for those players, if you've been bashed up at Super Rugby and Test level for the last six months, what that does, that little trip back to club footy, reinforces how good you are, mm. how good you think you are. Because when you're getting bashed up every week, you start to question that, right? Yeah. So, so the Kirtley Beals and the Quade Coopers and the David Lyons and all those blokes, the club footy, not only does it reinforce how good they are to themselves, those around them grow from it. Yeah. It brings people through the gate, which is another thing, yeah. and reinforces that footy is, is something important. Whereas if all you do at test level is play up here, everything is eroded and tested all the time, you know? Is the honeymoon over now for Checker? Yeah, obviously for the worst record in 10 years in terms of losses. Probably a bit unfair with that uh, loss in the World Cup final. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, he's in a tough period right now. He is. Goes with the territory. And, I, look, I feel for him. I don't think there's any ready-made replacement, just quietly. Mm. It's not like people putting their hand up as a brilliant Australian rugby coach to take his place. But doesn't someone have to be accountable, though, where we, we are at the moment? Because a lot of money's been spent, you know. You've, you've been big on the fact that club rugby has been, you know... Well, it's not just club rugby, it's any investment in the yeah. grassroots of the game. I mean, club rugby would benefit from any investment in juniors and schools. Yeah. So it's not about a grab for cash for clubs. I mean, it doesn't matter. In 20 years' time, we'll still be putting corner posts up, yeah. whether the ARU exists That's or right. not. Yeah. So it's, it's about just invest in the game, mm. you know? Um, yeah, if you, if you haven't uh, read Pappy's uh, rugby news stories, and I'd be surprised if you hadn't. They yeah. went like wildfire around social media. But I love it, mate. <laughs> well but done, actually, mate. you crashed it. I said, I said to Jira, I said, maybe we want to do an extended show today because that these lovely long pieces where you really get stuck in and you've done some good research. It, I really wanted to hear from you about that. That that with are we are we are we seeing like writ large now the kind of things that you and the rest of Clubland have been saying for some time around if you don't get that base right, the top's never going to be right. Attitude and, and culture. So you win, all, you win Bledisloe's and you beat New Zealand by having your culture spot on, right? And, and a really good culture to replicate is the Kiwis, right? If you're going to copy someone, try and copy them. Now, they respect every step of the journey, right? And a player knows that he has to get everything right. His attitude's got to be good. He's got to work on his game. He's got to respect the fact that if he's training with second grade on a cold night, that's okay, that's good, that's part of my... And if you let yourself slip... So in Australia, we don't have any of that because elite 17-year-olds, they think club footy's irrelevant. We don't need it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a contracted player already. I strut around in my Waratahs gear or my Wallaby tracksuit. Yeah. So, so the level of respect for the various steps that create character and culture, we don't have it here. Yeah. And, it, and, and, it's been, and the administration has let it happen. Um, we would have 200 professional players in this country and I would hazard a guess you'd have close to 350 paid staff Astonishing. to administer 200 professional players. Now, when you get an environment like that, it ceases to become about the players. It becomes about the machine and perpetuating, yeah. you know? You're putting the cart before the horse, aren't you? Because that's, that's not where we want to be. You talked about club rugby putting the corner posts out every week. You know, there's a reason why you want to do it, for the love of the game. But it's that love of the game that uh, propelled Australia from the 80s into the 90s to become a really strong force, isn't it? Like you, you became more professional and you yeah. were part of it. 
what was that? What was that development like way back then? Is there anything we could take out of the time when you played for Australia that we could use now? Well, it was it was amateur, but it was as professional as it is now. I mean, well, Bobby, it, I used to say that it didn't matter. Professionalism yeah. is a mindset, yeah. not a. And it infuriates me a little bit because what used to happen. I mean, Alan Jones, for example who was a terrific rugby coach and a little bit like Checker in terms of he would try and, he had a capacity to get people up so he could have you breaking down the doors. <laughs> but at training, you would practice the basics under fatigue until your nose bled. So that in a game, your catch pass skill and all of those basics stood up mm. under fatigue. And I, I don't know, I just, and that's pretty basic. Yeah. But those, the fundamentals to me don't ever change. No. You know, and the Kiwis look to me to be the sort of team that does that, because under pressure, their basic skills they they hold up. I bet you every single one of them too has a footy in their boot, and they're always playing with it. This is one of the things that uh, that, that Billy Melrose, uh, who was uh, a great coach, um, Brian Melrose, uh, who encouraged them get that footy in the back of your boot, yeah. have it in your hands all the time, because it becomes an extension of your body. Now, when you become a contractor player at 17, 18, you're just doing gym, gym junkie stuff, you're not playing footy. Yeah. I saw an ad last night during the broadcast of The Bledisloe, and it was really well done, must have cost a bucket, and it was all of our players, oh, and it was gym work. It was a bloke lifting weights, and it, <laughs> not one piece, not one shot of a player playing yeah. or practicing his skills, nothing. And that's where, I think, a great metaphor for where it's gone. Yeah. It's about now, because you're professional and I need you nine to five, seven days a week or whatever, it's gym work, it's sprint sessions. I don't care that you're bigger, faster, stronger. Mm. I, it makes no difference, it doesn't win. Mm. You've actually got to get better, more skillful. I, I think. Just, can I just jump in? Because I've seen strength and conditioning coaches who Get a Matt Rogers in, for example, brilliant off the cuff rugby league player, Wadi Dakiri, those sorts of guys. And they say, It's great, I'm going to put another five, 10 kilos on you, and you're going to be awesome. And you put those extra kilos on it, they're a different player. They don't run the same way, yes. uh, they don't balance the same way. And, and that affects the thing that you got them in the code to start with, Pappy. Bowden Barrett, uh, Damien McKenzie, who, who is, uh, I think, everyone's favourite player. Yeah. He'd be 80 kilos, maybe. Yeah. Bowden's bigger, but uh, Mackenzie is brilliant because he has speed and skill and he's not scared to use it, mm. you know? Um, now you talk about, um, uh, you know, it feels like the conversation we're having is we've just gone that bit too far professional, like, you know, that we aren't, that they've lost that love of the game or the simplicity of the game a little bit. And, and looking at, at but the, what... But the All Blacks are professional too, Ben. So, so what is the issue? I think it's the lack of... The commitment to the basics, yeah, and yeah. over and what Pappy's talking about—that's just the basics. I don't blame the players for one second. I find I, I admire the players. They are as good as we've got. They put in. Make no mistake, many of them are a great example of what you need to do and discipline, character. They've got work ethic. I mean, they put they would put us all to shame. And they're taking a risk with their careers. They could just get a job, you know. Yeah, but but look, I just think you've got. You've got a system here and a culture whereby it's broken, and and I think the rugby public, you know, if you if you keep dishing up the same stuff every week, Super Rugby or whatever, eventually we start to go, we just don't care. Pappy, one of the things that Ben and I have been talking about last few weeks, and 
I remember when you saw successful teams for Australia, you look at the Queensland Origin team, it's the same team, rolling out week after week. You may get a loss here and there, cop a bit of a hit, but you have that consistency. Surely, combination, consistency, knowing your player in inside, outside, and in defence is going to be a benefit. And it's been talked about with selection all over the place. Surely that's an issue as well for Australia. Consistency is important, but of key players. Yeah. I mean, you'll find the Queensland Origin team has yeah. actually regenerated quite a bit, but the key people the spines, are still there. Yeah, the spines are the same. Smith, Thurston, Cronk, Inglis, you know, key blokes are still there. So that's what works. Now, I don't think we know, I'm sure I don't know, pick your best back line, pick your best forward pack. I mean, I, there are alternatives. Now, I... I don't spend enough time watching Super Rugby to know who's at the top of the pecking order. Um, but someone needs to know because yeah. it's their responsibility and it's their neck on the block, you know? But, but I think you're right there. It, it hasn't been that easy. Like we've, well, I've said, the selection seems to be moving and shifting a bit. But yeah. with a tough Super Rugby year, a really tough year, the guys haven't been very obvious picks. But going into last night's Bledisloe, to have gone from a team which struggled defensively last week to then go, okay, Foley, you're going from 10 to 12. Karevi, you're going to come in at 13. You were playing 12 previously. Quade Cooper, you haven't played since May. You're going to be in the 10 channel. Yeah. It just made it extra hard, super hard. And, you know, it, in, in their defence, uh, Gitto, Horn, uh, Tamua, mm. out last week, got to have an impact. I, I look at it this way. If I watch Australia play, I want to know that someone in that team or that back line, because I don't know much about forwards, but... What's your point of difference? Where, where are we any different to anyone else? Because you need someone who's got either blinding speed, brilliant footwork. We, we don't. I mean, we pick the same sort of player. I mean, we, you need a, a Kirtley Beal and someone who can add a little bit, but I mean, that's, that's over. Where in our back line have we got someone who's got something a little bit extra? You know, and I don't know that anyone in Super Rugby does either. Yeah. But but you've got to find a point of difference somewhere because if all you do is pick a big thirteen who you know mm. it tackles well and he he trucks it up, yeah, yeah. it doesn't scare anyone. Well, I think well, Falau's got it. Falau's got it. We just got to work out okay. how to use it. So if he's your point of difference, yeah. play a game and invent something that gets him the ball yeah. in a little bit of space. We if you play slowly at the breakdown and everything you do is. Yeah telegraphed, it doesn't matter whether Israel's in your team or not. If you're going to use him and you think he's a point of difference, find a way to use it. Yeah. Quaid, Quaid Cooper is another one of those guys, right? Yeah. Love him or hate him, and he does separate people. Big Maxi, our mate's been emailing us long diatribes around the way that we should get behind Quaid. He can play. Quaid is as gifted as anyone I've seen. I've seen him play since he was at school, and he was unbelievable. But he's lost it. So my, my problem is that over the 10 years or so he's been in the professional system, he has not improved. Why? Because he should be head and shoulders above everyone else, just as he was then. Yeah. I, mean, I, 2011, actually, I mean, that 2011 season with the Reds was, was just phenomenal. Good. Let him play. Yeah. Yeah. Let the and he kid, ran the game. Yeah, let him play, though. Let him use his point of difference, which is his skill and his whatever's going on in here, yeah. somehow works, and take a punt. You, you, you mentioned coming through the schoolboy era. I remember covering schoolboy rugby back then. 
And you know, we're, we're in New South Wales, so there was all these reports on Kirtley Beale, the player coming through, wow. Yeah. And I went down to a game at uh, Scott's, where it was uh, Queensland, New South Wales, and Quaid tore, tore Kirtley up in that game. And I was like, the story was all of a sudden, we were talking about Kirtley, hang on, there's this other bloke coming out yeah. of Queensland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Outstanding. But I think one of the, the, the key things last night, and you touched on it earlier, Pappy, the ball they get, they're getting. Like, eight out of 12 lineouts we won. All Blacks won seven out of 17. We won eight out of 12. Two of our first three, stolen, not just stolen, you know, grabbed like getting an orange out of, the, out of a fruit basket, just bang, thank you, we'll have that. We were absolutely, right right there, any game plan you have and your mental capacity to, to fire up in the game, you think, oh God, let's hope, we'll go to the next line out and we're gonna be under super pressure. Yeah, line out is, uh, even above scrum, I think line out, uh, it killed the Waratahs a few years ago when we had a really good team. Uh, the line-out couldn't win. The All Blacks have had their troubles with line-outs in the past, and that's when Australia's been able to have a go at them, uh, when we had a really sharp uh, line-out with Dave Giffen there running the show as well. And, you know, we've had a lot of good second rowers, but where are they now, Pappy? <laughs> Look, I don't think second rowers are as important as they used to be because you can lift and, you, you know, you don't even have to be the tallest in the team to be your best line-out man. True, but if they're a good runner too, like someone like Dan Vickerman who gave you that extra, you know, we didn't hear that hard abrasive runner. We talk about Set farting. piece is crucial. Yeah. Set piece is crucial. I don't think line-out's any less important than yeah. scrum or vice versa. It's crucial because you can, if, if a team's got a dominant scrum early, you're in trouble. Mm. And if you can't win your line-out ball, you're in trouble. Yeah. But the, the Kiwis have points of difference. He, Coles is a point of difference, right, as a hooker. He gives yeah. them something that no one else has got. So what's mm -hmm. ours? What's ours? Where's our athletic person that we use? I mean, Hooper. Hooper could play 12. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, yeah. He, he's athletic enough to do it. I don't he's know about him. I don't know <laughs> about him skill-wise. But if you've got players in your team that offer a point of difference, let's use it. No point having them if you just get them to do the same old stuff. You've got to have enough flair or confidence yeah. in your blokes to say, right, are we gonna, we've got a hooper who's got a bit of something different. Let's use him differently. That, that confidence in your blokes you talk about, that was part of the point I was making before. And, and I just remember another guy that it really, I, I, I'm not sure what's going on, but Scott Fardy, right? Yeah. He, to the bench for the last game, and he's been a heart and soul of the grunt in this pack, right, yeah. for quite some time. And I was shocked when he put McCowman in last time. McCowman, right, you're out of the 23 this week, mate. Fardy, you're back in. But before half time, he's hooked him. Yeah. And I thought he was, he was the one leading the aggression. He was the one who was getting in there in some of those malls, yeah. trying to rip some heads off and, get, you know, and change things. I, I don't know if you guys saw something different, but I, I felt like that's another player. I'm just, it seems very strange the way Czech is managing these guys. I, I, I feel for Michael Checker because he's got a team who doesn't play much footy. I don't know how you yeah. measure who's going great and who isn't. Yeah. Because they don't play. I mean, that, Super Rugby for us finished when? What, six okay, weeks ago? Far too early. <laughs> far too early, yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I mean. So they're not, they're not playing footy. So what has he got to go on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah agreed. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we might just wind it up here at the moment. So, look, uh, you did that great article on Rugby News, uh, Pappy. There's a lot of thought. And I wanted to say that this isn't something new from you. You've had uh, a pretty burning passion yeah. about this for a long time because yeah. I saw a few comments about saying, yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's great to have this now. But, no, mate, you, you've been on about this for a long time. I've had discussions. Nothing I've said it publicly or I haven't said privately to those that run the game. Um, so... Look, I, I'm not hiding from it. My issue is very straightforward. 
and I've done some research, the numbers are horrific, 780 odd million dollars over the last, since 07, nine years, on the game professionally, and we're getting worse. Wow. So, so firstly, how can that be when we were the best in the world when we spent zero? So, so I mean, you've got an issue that no one wants to address because you've corporatized the game, you've got more staff than players, and nothing seems to change. There's no investment in grassroots. And funnily enough, that seems to correspond with our decline. You know, and, and, I, you're, I, and you're saying this as the president of Eastwood. How long have you been president now? <sighs> Good question. Ten-ish? Ten <laughs> so you, you're heavily in, emotionally and um, involved in the game. And yeah. you see so you're seeing it. Uh, and it's basically everyone volunteering. I, I've watched a lot of footy um, and called the rugby on the ABC for 19 years, going back a while. Mm. The skill level is terrific at club rugby level. It's better to watch because it's freed up a bit and players get to express and show their skill. And the, the more they go up this professional ladder, the less skill they're allowed to show. I, I, I think we've got to address our elite development systems, but that's a society thing as well. For example, a 17-year-old schoolboy who's really gifted, he can put a highlights package on YouTube and get 20,000 hits, and that to him is a bigger thrill than getting a Wallaby jersey. Do you know what I mean? Society has changed. So the kid who has his little highlights reel seen by heaps of people. I might dig out some old videos, Paddy. That's, that's a massive win for a young teenager, right? So, so the world's changed, you know? And, and I don't know whether that's good or bad, but it is what it is. And we need kids kicking footies around the park. Yeah, yeah, playing it. You know, just, just get it in their hands. And, and feeling like that ball is part of them, you know? That's, yeah. that's the key. Uh, you talk about kids kicking the foot around the park. Jura and I have been talking all week saying the kicking game in Australia. Like one of, the, one of the slim highlights for me last night was we had a bloke on the park who nailed one from 52 metres out, right? I thought, <laughs> yeah. my God, we might have a goal kicker and, coming through. And, we need a goal kicker. And would have kicked it from 60 <laughs> yeah, metres yeah. well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, no, that is awesome. But our out, of, our out of hand kicking to touch or yeah. the number of times we fail to find touch or for some reason just kick it up in the air and the bloke cat, Kiwi catches it and they yeah. counter. Yeah. I just don't get it. Well, that's, no. a, that's actually something we saw from Quade, which we, we haven't seen, is um, uh, when we our, our, our first penalty goal came when I think Quade kicked a cross field yeah. for Izzy, and Izzy just beautifully up above the pack, took yeah. the piece, and then, and then the All Blacks uh, professionally foul, killed it yeah. five metres out. Um, but even that looked like some sort of thought to a tactical kicking game that we haven't really had. It's a good point you raise, because if that's your point of difference, if Israel in the air is your point of difference, or one of them, then just do it to death. Yeah. Just do it all night. Yeah. Do nothing else. He's supreme in the air, like almost untouchable. Play him on the wing. Yeah. And just kick to him. Absolutely. <laughs> just and just until you bore them to death. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then late in the game, when they just expect you to do it again. Yeah, there you go. See, that's the Australian cleverness well, coming back, Pappy. You got to make it. Something has to change for this Wallaby side. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel for too. Hope it we, does. we hope it does. We yeah. want to see it, but you got you just got to think that Checker's going to have to take a step here and, and change yeah. up something. Whether it's some support staff changes or some different thinking coming yeah. in, I don't know. 
but they're in, they're in, they're in the bottom of the, the rut right now, and they're going to have to do something. It, look, he's a great bloke. Players will play for him. There's yeah. no doubt about it. But he yeah. does. I think he does need some uh, technical support there that gets the, gets the players up to that level you wanna, with yourself. You yeah. want to employ some more? <laughs> maybe three hundred and fifty-two, mate. We want to make the number up. Maybe some. Uh, well, let's say get more bang for his buck. You know, maybe get rid of some. Bring some new blood in. Who knows? Uh, Brett Papworth, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, We love your fire and brimstone. It's all for the greater the game. Um, But uh, if anyone else wants to hear more of you, you're at 2SM. Talking sport, yep. Three till seven. We go, oh, wow, 30-odd stations, 30-plus through New South Wales and Queensland. Um, Graham Hughes and Gavin Robertson and Peter Tunk. So we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun, and of course, if you haven't read that article, rugbynews.net.au. Well, I think we should we should tweet that out on the Rugger Matrix handle. Yeah, we'll later. have it on the um, links on the YouTube channel as well. Yeah. So, um, uh, a lot of domestic stuff here, but uh, we, we mostly have an, uh, an overseas audience as well, um, wow. Pappy. So, uh, England uh, and uh, Ireland in particular, and a lot of Kiwi friends are going backwards and forwards on Some good YouTube. YouTube. Chat there. So, yeah, we love the chat, you know. Um, Keep it coming. We uh, love the banter, and, and always is with great respect. I noticed at the end of the press conference uh, that um, the great man um, uh, Steve Hansen said, "We're friends. I don't want to bag him." So yeah. it's easy to be nice when you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. All right, then, Kimber. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Jira. And thanks, Brett Papworth. Thanks, mate. Cheers. All right, we'll see you next week on Rugger Matrix International.